Welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the new shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We talk all things Ohio State football and talk to and about other women in Buckeye athletics and beyond. I'm your host, Tia Williams. And I'm your other host, Meredith Hine. You can follow me on Twitter at Tia Williams, that's Tia with three A's, Meredith at Meredith Hine, and of course the site at Land Grant 33. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 10. Before we get started with our guest for today, we wanted to give you an update on the Stephanie Epstein and Astros situation since that's what our show was focused on last week. Since we last talked to you, the Astros have apologized for their assistant GM's actions, fired him, and formally retracted their statement that they made about Epstein's article being quote-unquote fabricated and completely irresponsible. We're excited to see this positive action being taken by the Astros organization to right several of the wrongs that came from the situation. But moving ahead in today's show, we are so excited to welcome Sports Illustrated host and Philadelphia Eagles team reporter, Amy Campbell. Hi, Amy. Hey, yeah, interesting uh, timing with uh, my colleague Stephanie Epstein in the headlines recently. (laughs) Perfect timing. We're excited (laughs) to get into that with you a little bit. But kicking things off, we read on your Twitter bio that you're a University of Florida alum. Obviously, you're talking to two avid Ohio State fans, but I think that we're all feeling pretty good about college football right now. (laughs) Yes. Um, And probably anybody that, like, follows me that's an Ohio State fan probably, at best, respects my opinion and probably hates it because I um, am pretty outspoken about my Urban Meyer takes. But, yes, it is a good for both programs right now and hopefully that will continue rolling. I think Ohio State's the real deal. I don't know if I think Florida's the real deal as much as it pains me to say, but we'll see. The only Florida game that I watched in its entirety this year was their opener against Miami and teams definitely grow a lot from week one, but yeah, there were there was some area to improve, but they're definitely looking stronger down the stretch, which is what you want to see as a fan. Yeah, and I think that happens a lot in college. You know, you kind of you see the teams that are not real and the teams that overcome adversity, especially when there's teams that haven't been tested. I mean, the perfect example um, is Alabama. I mean, they don't really have a good win right now, um, and they're going to have they're going to run into the LSU in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be a really fun one to watch with LSU having a lot of good wins. So uh, it's, you know, the SEC always takes care of itself. Obviously, I'm an SEC homer, naturally. But yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to watch things play out. And uh, what I love about college is that you get a lot more just wild upsets and crazy plays than you do at any other level of the game. Yeah, you guys will definitely be tested next weekend. Which, are you worried? Yeah. <laughs> So we're, we're ranked higher than them, which is cool, but I really, I don't think we're better than them. But when you're a fan of a, of a school or an alum or whatever, I think you go two ways with your own team. You're either extra hard on them or you're like extra into them. And I think I tend to be extra hard on my team. <laughs> so I, they're probably better than I think they are, but they're um, better than Georgia. Um, I think it'll be a good one. I think that Georgia loss was kind of something that was unexpected and Florida's had some good grinded out wins, but uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We're going to learn a lot um, in that one. And that's always, I mean, I've been to that game a million times. It's always a really, a really good one, but yeah. Hey, we're ranked higher than the Bulldogs. 
right now. That's awesome. I don't know if we're better than them, but I think Kyle Trask has been awesome. And uh, the way his game has forced Dan Mullen to open up the offense in a more exciting way um, has me very excited about Florida football right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So you graduated from Florida, correct? Yes. And now you cover the Philadelphia Eagles. Connect the two. How'd you How'd you end up in Philly? Yeah, well, I ended up in Philly because um, a very lovely woman named Colleen Scholes, who is the recruiter for the entire organization, reached out to me on LinkedIn. So that sounds very random, but update your LinkedIn, everyone. Um, <laughs> I, I know. I got a LinkedIn message, which is like, what? But yeah, that was my first point of contact with the Eagles. But yeah, out of school, I covered college football and college football recruiting. I did that for several years. And now I've been working with Sports Illustrated for three years. And I host their show there now. But I started, you know, kind of doing the the late night updates, the classic story there. And uh, I still work there, obviously, and started working with the Eagles last season. They were looking to add female talent, which I so appreciate. But what they wanted was someone who really loves football and who can talk about it in an intelligent, thoughtful way. Um, and they were like, we are not hiring a woman who's going to do like the trending social media takes and be like really cute and whatever. We want somebody who is going to add to the content who happens to be female. And I really appreciated that the organization and the department thought about it that way. And I knew immediately that I was a perfect fit for it. And I I don't know if I had to convince them um, to hire. I live in New York City and I commute in for the games and it's not that far, but I, I don't know if I had to convince them that, you know, me coming in there part time from New York was going to be better than a full time person. You know, that was what I told them was, hey, like, I know I'm the right fit for this job. I'm exactly what you're looking for. And it's going to be awesome. And they, uh, yeah, I was what they were looking for. And it has been awesome. I absolutely love working there. Everyone I work with is incredible and thoughtful and smart and kind. And I've truly become really good friends. And it's always been my dream to work for a team and kind of see the things from the other side to see what it's like from that perspective. It's a different type of coverage because you're the in-house coverage. So you don't have to be fighting people for a scoop and trying to beat your competition and on all your stories and everything. It's a little bit more sanctioned and it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off in that way. And so I, I enjoy it from that perspective as well. But yeah, it's just been awesome. It's, it's been great to work there. It's being able to find what you're passionate about and the type of coverage that you actually enjoy doing and being able to pursue that has really been a theme in terms of being able to empower you to be your best self when you are a woman in sport. So it's really awesome to hear how you were able to recognize that this role was exactly what you wanted to do and exactly the kind of coverage that, you know, you wanted to participate in with the Eagles. So you talked a little bit about what your life looked like early on at Sports Illustrated. Could you tell us a little bit about what your typical in-season week looks like now? Yeah, well, and and really quick to just go back to what you said about just loving what you're doing and the Eagles job. Um, I really 
what's cool about that job and even about my role at SI because I was uh, I got promoted you know a few months ago there as well I stopped now, I didn't stop, but I got a lot better at focusing on who I want to be and myself and not necessarily the roles. And I felt like for a long time in my career, I was like, how do I get better as a broadcaster? How do I give people what they're looking for? And in the last year or two, I kind of switched my perspective and started focusing on who am I? Who do I want to be? What do I want my sound like? And I just focused on myself. I've been doing, you know, all this, this inner work on who I am and finding my own identity. And the work has come as a byproduct of that because I have this genuine confidence and identity from focusing on me. And the byproduct is that I've been finding all these good fits for myself and my confidence is coming across more in my job. So that's that's a pretty cool thing. Okay, so to get back to my normal day in Sports Illustrated, yeah. So I get up a little bit before five o'clock in the morning I go to bed very early. <laughs> I get up a little bit before 5 a.m. I go into SI. We, you know, look over what happened last night, what stories have been written, what stories are going to be written, what topics we think are going to be trending. And we kind of have like a brainstorming argue, arguing session. And then we'll pick, the, we'll pick the topics for our show. And then we'll do the show and kind of like I'll take some, my co-host will take some, we'll do some together. And then um, we also will have different interviews with different guests that come through um, and, you know, runs the gamut, all different types of people in sports. That's probably been the coolest part about working there is that I've interviewed so many different types of sport. Like I've interviewed wrestlers, I've interviewed rock climbers, men and women, like you name it, swimsuit models. So that's probably the coolest thing is that uh, at SI is that I have exposure to all those things. So, so I'm there Monday through Friday doing the show there. And then for whatever, whatever day the Eagles are playing normally Sunday, then I get on a, on a bus down to Philadelphia, do the show and then come back. Oh my gosh. When's your day off? Saturday? <laughs> Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say has been the biggest challenge, if any, throughout your career as a sports reporter, specifically with the Eagles? Because I know that's a huge, passionate fan base and you're reporting to them every week. <laughs> Great question. My entire career or with the Eagles specifically? I guess with the Eagles specifically, because I'm just curious if you've had any backlash or, you know, fans getting angry at you. <laughs> Basically, the Eagles booed Santa that one time, and so we're just <laughs> checking. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're very intense. Nobody's really ever come after me that I've noticed. I mean, there's probably a few people on Twitter that I haven't paid attention to. For the most part, I mean, working for the team, you know, it's a very positive outlook. It's always, you know, when there's adversity, how do we build on adversity? Because I'm not coming from the outside. It's not my job to be really critical or question any decisions that are made, which is great. I don't have to do any of that. I love the Philadelphia fan base. I love that they are so passionate and that if something's bad, they're going to tell you that it's bad. <laughs> and people have mixed feelings about the booze and whatever, but I think it's awesome. Like they're showing up. I grew up in South Florida. People do not go to the Miami Dolphins games. Like, you can like you can't even give away the tickets. 
People don't go to the Marlins games. People don't go to the Panthers hockey game. And so the fact that these games are sold out, like if they're booing, like that's because they're all in. And I love that about the fan base. So people, uh, you know, people are always like, oh, but the Eagle fans, like, right, they are always booing their own. Like, isn't that ridiculous? And I'm like, well, if it's bad, they're going to tell you it's bad. Like, I love the honesty and the passion. <laughs> and, you know, they're invested. At least they're invested. South Florida sport markets are not terribly invested. And so I, I love the passion of the fans. Even when it's the negativity, it's like, at least it's something. And that's a great point. And especially considering you're coming from South Florida, where the Marlins are considering, you know, moving their team for half a year to Canada to tap into another fan base. Yeah, it's certainly a different suck. perspective. And as a lifelong Browns fan, <laughs> at least I, start, <laughs> I get it a little bit. Um, we tend to focus our anger at Rap. But related to that, what's been your favorite or most memorable experience of your career today? You mentioned so many interesting people you've had a chance to interview at SI. And I'm just wondering if any of those people or experiences stand out to you. Oh, yeah, there's been a lot of good ones. I think the most meaningful one to me was my sit down interview with Michael Phelps. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he, first of all, is probably the biggest, most famous person that I have had a sit down with. I don't know, there's there's been a few, but I think he's probably the biggest one. Definitely like the most winningest one, you could say. (laughs) But it was it was really cool because I had about 30 minutes with him and we did an interview for probably 15 of that and continued the conversation for a while afterwards and he was someone who I had wanted to interview for a very long time because he is so open about his mental health journey and that's something that I'm very passionate about but I felt this specific connection to him because when he first started opening up a few years ago about going to rehab in Arizona and there was a big sports center feature about it. That was when I realized that he went to rehab at the same place that my dad went to rehab in Arizona. And he talked about in this feature, having his father come to family week as a part of like the recovery curriculum that they do there. And I went to family week for my dad. Um, it isn't fun, but like rehab is not fun. It was like, you know, a very difficult time for me. But I always felt like, oh, my goodness, I, I've been through this exact same program at the same place as Michael Phelps. And I hope that one day I get to, you know, connect with him on that. So instantly, we had this connection, I felt like not only was I able to get a unique type of interview, and a a type of honesty, because of that shared experience and the understanding of those things. But it was something that was really important and something we're both really passionate about. And the cool part was that we continued the conversation after the interview was over, just the two of us. And that, you know, is something I will treasure forever. And that day he did like 28 interviews with all these different outlets. He was doing a big uh, junket. And we got an email from the rep the next day that he really that he really liked my interview and that it stood out to him. And I just thought that, you know, that was that's, you know, the highest compliment someone can pay me is on a day they're doing 28 interviews that mine stood out. And that that's always my goal when I interview anyone is to just first of all, make them feel comfortable and find a way to connect to them. But using my own experience or just ability to empathize to kind of help them feel safe to kind of go a little bit deeper than they would um, in a different situation. So that was just a really cool experience. And yeah, just something that I will treasure forever. That's amazing. amazing. (laughs) We saw that at the same time. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was. It was amazing. I still can't believe it was real. Like it just was was really, really special. And I feel very thankful for that moment. Yeah. Were you nervous going into it? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if I was nervous, but I was for sure anxious. I have, I have very bad anxiety. I'm always anxious. And I always get, you know, I always get anxious before I go on air or before I do an interview, whatever it is, even if I'm totally confident, totally prepared. And I knew I was super prepared for that interview. And I knew again, that I had this shared experience with him that was going to set us up for success. So while I was completely confident in my prep and in uh, where I wanted to go with it, I'm just always anxious. I just always am. And that's kind of a part of my part of my journey is that I'm always working on managing my anxiety and my Mm -hmm. own mental health when it comes to that. But yeah, I always get like freaked out. And I don't know if that I don't know if that'll ever go away for me. You know, I get more and more comfortable and I know that I know what I'm doing but I always get like very jittery right before like the moment happens. I feel like there's probably a handful of people who can say they've sat down with Michael Phelps and interviewed him so that is just like that's crazy impressive. So before we get your thoughts on some trending women in sports topics we got to take an ad break but yeah we we definitely want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. (laughs) I have some thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Be right back. Okay, so this is probably a question similar to what I get as an Ohio State alum. Whenever Mm -hmm. someone finds out I went there, they're like, oh, do you know my friend or do you know so-and-so? And And I'm like, there are 60,000 students there. No, I I don't know your friend. <laughs> but since Meredith and I did talk a lot about Sports Illustrated writer Stephanie Epstein and the Astros fiasco, for lack of a better word, on our previous show, I do have to ask, do you know Stephanie? Do you talk to her? And what are your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, while I work with Stephanie, I don't work directly with her. So I haven't spoken with her firsthand about any of this, but I know her work and I know uh, the type of person she is. And I mean, just anybody who's paid attention to how she's handled this whole thing, but also just anything anybody has said about her on social media, it's all true. I mean, she's just uh, a pro's pro, an incredible writer, handled this situation incredibly. And she was still covering the World Series in the midst of this complete firestorm. She's still there like doing her job and cranking out amazing World Series content. And I'm so proud to have her as a part of the uh, Sports Illustrated family. But yeah, I mean, obviously, to to move it forward a little bit, I think we can all agree that what the Astros um, did was awful. The way they handled this was awful. To outright accuse her of lying is something that can end a journalist's career. But I think what really, if I'm getting into my feelings a little bit, what really set me off about the whole thing was just that it is this idea that women's voices don't matter. And so Stephanie could have this completely true story about something that happened and everyone's going to say, no, that didn't really happen. And that's just kind of a narrative that we have in this country and in our culture and in our institutions and in sports. And so it struck that nerve within me that, hey, the, you know, a woman's voice is not going to matter. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. And I was pleasantly surprised and quite shocked, actually, that Brandon Taubman did lose his job and he absolutely deserved to lose his job. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that she finally got her apology. I did go on a bit of a rant a couple days ago, I guess last week, when GM Jeff Luno had his press conference and uh, about it to basically apologize and retract everything and say that they had fired Brandon Taubman. And Luno basically said, 
that he hadn't been able to apologize directly to Steph because they had been traveling and it had been, you know, he'd been really busy and he had to, you know, fire somebody that had worked for him for a very long time. But he said, as soon as I get the chance, I will. And Stephanie was in the room when he said that. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know just if he just doesn't know what she looks like or just like didn't notice, but like he absolutely had a chance in that moment. And again, like I think they quote unquote corrected their mistakes, but I think they could have gone further to say, you know, this is a culture problem that we need to look into because it is there. Um, you know, that's pretty well documented mm-hmm. with the fact that Roberto Osuna was even there in the first place to say, oh, you know, I had a, uh, it didn't say I had a hard day, but it just kind of sounded like that to me. Uh, you know, I had to let go of someone who's been with me for a really long time. Like, oh yeah, that must be really tough for you. Like that was kind of how I felt. <laughs> so yeah, I think, uh, while, yeah, they've done a solid job kind of retracting and correcting and whatever um, I think they can go further to address the culture problem in the organization and you know say oh I know who you are you're Stephanie and hi like thank you we're really sorry like we basically tried to end your career on a knee-jerk reaction to protecting one of our own probably based on I'm guessing based on his own word for it so anyway obviously it's very complicated and if they had just come out and apologized right away it probably would have blown over but the fact that they so like vehemently went after her integrity as a journalist is what made this thing blow up so um, I guess I, I am glad that it exposes what is already there, which is the issue of the the institutional problems of the misogyny and the looking the other way on domestic violence. And if anything, it's got more people talking about that. So I guess that could be a, a positive thing that's come out of it. I just can't believe that Stephanie was in the room at the time and he didn't even <laughs> notice. Like, you'd think he would have at least look up, looked up her picture so he knew. She's but, all over the media. Yeah, like, like, there's no he he can miss that. And also, I just don't understand when, you know, CEOs and owners and GMs are going to learn that when crises like these happen, it is not about you. And it's not about your bad day where you had to fire someone. It's about the issue that happened and how you handled it. So, um, and if I can, I'm going after that PR team because, first of all, whoever crafted that stupid uh response saying this was fabricated like that's on the pr team also isn't it on your pr team or whoever your sports information person is to before you take that podium hey maybe you should whisper in their ear stephanie abstein is right over there like that might be something you (laughs) want to alert them to as well so i again i don't know what they're doing over there in the pr department but they're not really doing a very good job (laughs) yeah it blows my mind that they released that statement without I assume, without looking into anything. I mean, because even just like one phone call, oh, a lot of people heard him say that? Okay, so it's not fabricated. <laughs> like, we did our investigation, which it sounded like the investigation was, hey, Brandon, did you say this? And he said, yeah, I was out of context. <laughs> and they were like, cool, she made it up. <laughs> the MLB comes out and says that it's going to conduct a more thorough investigation where it's going to interview everyone on all sides. And it's like, you wow. as an internal organization can't at least give the same courtesy. Right. They protect uh, their own. Again, and, and for the record, I don't know what those conversations were like, but that was what it seemed like from the outside. Yeah. Oh, agreed. So glad to see that at least some steps have been taken um, to restore Stephanie's reputation. As you said, she's a great journalist, very much deserving of that apology because she did absolutely nothing wrong in this situation. But wanted to move on to 
something that, you know, is a little more humorous at its surface, but a little more troubling when you dig deep into it. And that's the issue of sideline reports and the halftime interviews that we've seen Mm -hmm. this year. Amy, I'm not sure if you've seen the video of Mike Leach's halftime interview during the Washington State-Oregon game last week when sideline reporter Molly McGrath asked, what's your defense doing well against Justin Herbert? And Leach said sarcastically, running to the football and then ran into the locker room. So this isn't necessarily gender related specifically. Leach has never given the greatest halftime interviews before, but we've seen the same issue with Nick Saban and Maria Taylor, Bill Belichick and Dana Jacobson. And just curious on your perspective of players or coaches not cooperating with these types of on the fly interviews. Yeah, I think those are kind of, uh, I I would put the Saban Belichick in one category different than the Leach category. You know, I think it's complicated where, you know, coaches are trying to do their jobs and there's a lot of adversity. And then you stick a microphone in your face and ask somebody to you know, be a little bit buttoned up or thoughtful, that can be tough. Um, But at the same time, the media coverage of these games is what is putting money in these coaches' pockets. And that is what, that's what I... I always stress to to athletes who don't want to do their media availability or whatever it is, you know, I'm just here to play football and getting distracted. Well, the coverage of you that I am doing (laughs) is building your brand, building your fan base, and that's getting you paid more money. So part of you getting paid is your face being on the the TV and these big contracts that happen because I'm here to interview you. And so we have to do our best to work together as a team. That aside, the Mike Leach thing, I don't know how Molly reacted. I'm guessing she thought it was funny. I mean, I thought it was funny. He's such a character. You know, the great thing that we see in Sideline is you do see the raw emotion because um, it is a little bit more unfiltered than, you know, you have a few minutes to collect your thoughts and get to the podium after a game, your adrenaline wears down. But those sideline interviews, like right in the heat of the moment, adrenaline is spiked. You're going to get some like really interesting answers. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always think of like Richard Sherman with Aaron Andrews back in the day. Like that's, uh, that oh, was a man. great oh, yeah. interview. It, you know, it, it got our attention and those things don't get our attention when they're just very, yeah, you know, we got to score more points. Like that, you know, it's kind of whatever. So I, I like the ones that kind of spike now separate conversation for Belichick and Saban. Belichick specifically, that was ridiculous to stare at her. It was a total power move. It was a total ego thing. And it was completely rude. And my problem, I said this on our show at Sports Illustrated, my problem with that was that his whole thing is do your job. That's his whole thing is like, that's the mantra. Everybody do their job. And we're and we're winning Super Bowls. That's like his whole thing. That's literally what Dana Jacobson is doing her job. (laughs) Literally by asking that question. If she doesn't ask that question, she is not doing her job. And so for him, of all people, the do your job guy to give her, you know, not even a comment, just a look for intimidation's sake. That to me was like what like way out of line. And she handled it like a pro. Of course, all of these women handle these things with complete class, like a pro, as always. Mm -hmm. And uh if they did any less, then there would probably be a lot of hate coming at them. That seems to be, like, the theme with all these women. Like, even Stephanie. They're just kind of like, okay, you look like a fool, but we were just doing our job, so let that play out. 
So what would be your number one piece of advice for women when they see these types of situations or if they experience it or just women wanting to be in the sports world and seeing this happen to other women? Well, I haven't done a whole lot of sidelines, so nothing crazy like that has happened to me. And so I I often think like, how would I react in the moment? I don't really know. I would probably freeze. I think as I've continued to kind of what I said earlier, as I've continued to find my own voice and figure out who I am, that comes through more and more. And so that comes through in me knowing how to handle things, me knowing what my opinion would be in a certain situation, me, you know, being able to react and digest things because I have that, you know, I've kind of finding my own voice a lot more. And so I think that's what I would tell everyone to do is to find your own voice. And that's a little bit of a cliche. But what I mean by that is figure out who you are and what you think about things and then voice those things and put that into your work. And I think that would probably be the biggest piece of advice I would have, because then in that moment, you're still yourself. So if you're really rooted in your own identity, whatever is happening, you're going to react the way that you would if you really are connected to your value system in that way. Yeah, I love that. So with that, we will head into the positive trending news for women in sports. Um, (laughs) There are good things. Yeah. The North Carolina Courage beat the Chicago Red Stars 4 to nothing on Sunday, making them the National Women's Soccer League champions for the second year in a row. And last week, the Spanish Women's Soccer League players voted in favor of going on strike after failing to reach a deal with the front office regarding working hours and minimum wages. I don't know that that is a positive, but it's amazing to see women athletes taking a stand for you know, equal pay all over the world. On the other side of that issue, FIFA came out and said they're officially committing a $1 billion investment to women's soccer between 2019 and 2022. So in other words, they're investing $500 million on top of the $500 million they already promised, which is huge. And where that money is going to go has been kind of vague, but just the fact they're doing it is amazing. Definitely. A little closer to home, we have some games for you to look forward to. Ohio State women's basketball is back in action November 3rd with an exhibition game against Urbana. The women open up with their first regular season game on November 10th against Valparaiso in Springfield, Ohio. I don't know why it's in Springfield. Also, Ohio State field (laughs) hockey is wrapping up their regular season against Michigan State on the road in East Lansing Saturday. And Ohio State women's ice hockey will be back in action Friday and Saturday with the two-game series against (sighs) (laughs) Bemidji Bemidji State on the road in Minnesota. And I apologize for all of you B-State alums out there. (laughs) B-State. There we go. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Amy, thank you so much for joining us and putting up with our interrogation. It's been so fun asking you all these questions. (laughs) Totally my pleasure. I appreciate you guys thinking of me and I'm always happy to especially talk about women in sports, women's issues in sports, women's issues in this country, something I'm very passionate about. And yes, we'll have no problem going on a rant about that any day. <laughs> I'm always here for the for the hot takes on all of that stuff. Yeah, we may have to get you back on. <laughs> you can follow Amy on Twitter at Miss Amy Campbell. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Tia Williams. That's Tia with three A's. 
Meredith at Meredith Hine and the site at Land Grant 33. We'll be back next Thursday and every Thursday after that with new shows. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.